Yeah, remember when movies had boobs mm-hmm. and butts? And butts. Well, and not to derail your thought, but uh, the <laughs> nudity, and butts always I mean, of course. Hello, Mission Recall listeners. I'm Oriana Schwint. And I'm Steve Parkhurst. And today, we've got another Verhoeven banger for you. This time, we're going to war with 1997's Starship Troopers, uh, which is like the one alien movie from the 90s that is actually about how we're more likely to be the aggressor species in an intergalactic war. We're the invading aliens. We are. Isn't that fun to think about? (laughs) I mean, it's horrible. But it's horrifying <laughs> and, and distressing, but uh, also fun. A lot of, lot of gore and, and special effects and people's brains getting sucked they, in. The effects in this movie are fucking fantastic. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to get into all oh, of Oh, we that. will. But it is like interesting to think about this run of alien invasion movies in the 90s that all kind of clustered around the same... like. Mars Attacks was 96, Independence Day was 96, I want to say, Men in Black was 97, Starship Troopers is 97. I have a very well thought out theory about that that I didn't just think of right this second (laughs) and is definitely um, a full theory, so uh, please no follow-up questions. My theory is that it's because we had no more enemies. As of the late 90s, it appeared American hegemony was dominant. We were the one superpower. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the USSR had fallen. True. There was no more Cold War. So we were kind of looking for the next big threat. And where else but aliens? Yeah. That's sort of the last frontier of what could possibly challenge the United States now. Little did we know the threat was coming from within, (laughs) but that's... Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. I do also think that part of this is the 40-year nostalgia cycle. That's a big part. As well, because of all the 50s, you know, you've got weird Cold War nostalgia and 50s B-movie nostalgia, which is all those movies were about. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we just did Mars Attacks, and that was obviously a 50s nostalgia, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of retread. Not retread, that's that's not the right word. Sort of revival? A a 50s nostalgia revival. Homage. Homage. Let's say homage. And this has a lot of that as well. Verhoeven himself has said it's, you know, sort of an homage to them Mm -hmm. uh, and other kind of, you know, weird nuclear fears, Cold War fears. Bug fears. Bug fears. I mean, literally them is about giant ants. So yeah. So it's a mix. I think it's a mix of that nostalgia cycle and just like, well, we won. Now what? Yeah. And then what I love about this is that, is that Verhoeven took this like really fashy book. It's based on a book of the same name by sci-fi giant, I guess, Robert Heinlein, 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 yeah, Yeah, whatever. Anyway, he doesn't deserve his name uh, pronounced correctly. (laughs) Uh, The book is really fashy. It's extraordinarily militaristic. Um, Did he do Stranger in a Strange Land? He did. Okay. That's what's so interesting about like the foundations of The sci-fi genre is you have like thoughtful people like Asimov and I think Arthur C. Mm Clarke who wrote some interesting things. Uh, And then, and then you've got this fucking guy who's like, no, it's great to have like corporal punishment and the death penalty. And you should only be allowed to vote if you serve in the military, which is certainly an idea that you could have. So what is... Starship Troopers about. That's true. So it starts out almost as like a high school drama. It's, yeah. Uh, Nazi 210. Um, I'm so proud of you for yeah, thinking I'm, that one up. I'm patting myself on the back <laughs> pretty hard. But it follows Johnny Rico. Juan Johnny Rico. Yeah. Uh, so he and a bunch of his white friends all live in Buenos Aires. And they are in high school, although it feels like sort of a military recruiting center, basically. Borderline, yeah. And everyone ends up volunteering and, and getting into the military to go fight 
the bugs, the arachnids on Clendathu, their home planet, which is on the other side of the galaxy. And the reason they're doing this is because apparently the bugs are flinging asteroids at Earth. It's never really confirmed or denied that that's actually what's happening. Mm -hmm. Seems unlikely. Right. Or if it is, uh, there is like this illusion in this this news reporter who says something about how like some people say that uh, the reason they started flinging asteroids is because we We went into their territory. Yeah, we're the aggressors and uh, we should do a live and let live policy. And that's that's shouted down. Yeah. From there, it just becomes, you know, them all invading this planet and getting the shit kicked out of themselves until finally they're able to persevere by capturing a brain bug. And a brain bug is a bug that drains your brains. It Mm -hmm. stabs you in the head and sucks Mm -hmm. your brains out. Looks amazing disgusting uh, super <laughs> it's very gross. hard to watch yeah it's it's awesome it's so good uh and then you know it, it ends on an optimistic note although they haven't actually won which i think is sort of an interesting uh yeah. you know it's it's played as like well we're on the winning side now we're on our way and maybe they are but it is interesting that it doesn't end with like a decisive Right. Victory. It feels very, it's prescient in a lot of ways. Yeah. And this was your line of thought that I'm now going to steal. Oh. But um, No, my line's <laughs> You were saying that this, this really serves as a premonition of our response to 9-11, but also just forever wars. Like it, it really seems as though Verhoeven just really understood that the U.S. was just itching for a forever war, which is what fascism requires. Like, it's not like he was truly thinking America was going to get involved in almost, you know, a few years later. Just a few years, yeah. Forever wars, but that this is just a requirement for fascism, basically. It's the the obvious endpoint. It was interesting uh, reading up about this and some of the quotes from Verhoeven, where he was basically saying that uh, this was a commentary on the United States post-World War Mm -hmm. II and on the fact that as a country, it didn't have a strong opponent anymore, uh, an enemy, and it needed one. Mm -hmm. And so it would invent them, basically. It just needed some kind of opponent to justify spending a lot of money on its military. So his critique was more about sort of America's behavior, even in sort of this post-war world. Peacetime, peacetime. ostensibly peaceful. And so it's fascinating to see that just a few years later, it all kind of came true. Mm -hmm. Like, America got its wish and the asteroid hit Buenos Aires. Mm -hmm. Like we had 9-11 and we used that to just get into everything, just stick our shit everywhere and send a bunch of children. Yeah, high schoolers. To get their legs blown off. Right. Uh, so, like, this movie ended up happening. It's it's kind of crazy. And, you know, just remembering back to the time, like, I was in high school when 9-11 happened. And I know people who went to Iraq who were my age. What's interesting, too, is that, you know, they used bugs in this movie mm-hmm. Because it was a good way to sort of, you know, dehumanize the enemy and uh, an opportunity to just show horrible gore and violence without making you feel squeamish. And what's fascinating is that America did a fantastic job of dehumanizing all Muslims, all basically, you you know, it wasn't even Muslims. It was just the vague concept of Arabs Mm -hmm. and like, oh, well, yeah, but they're Bad, you know, yeah. their religion is bad. They're a violent people, mm-hmm. uh, and they want only violence against us. Yeah, and so it's okay. It's okay to it's rejoice okay. in their murder. Yeah, by like, the tens of thousands. Up arguably to a, million. a million. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, America ended up kind of turning everybody into bugs like they all became the arachnids i know starship troopers has gotten a critical reappraisal in the last few years which is great and i think we'll kind of talk about like how people saw this movie in the 90s Mm. and it's critical response but it's kind of weird how prescient it was it's even on this sort of desert 
I I was just thinking of that, like deserts, mountains, like very inhospitable sort of looking terrain, which some places in the Middle Eastern region certainly... Afghanistan is very mountains. Yeah. (laughs) Very mountainous. And then Iraq is, is full of deserts and like it's just weird. It's weird to watch it now and be like... Oh, that all happens. And it is interesting. Like, I I love how many different reasons there are for the enemy to be literal bugs. You know, you've got the 50s homage, you've got the dehumanizing thing just so you can show all sorts of horrifying gore, and it's, you know, a little easier to swallow just as a viewer. But then also there is, hopefully by the end, you know, if you've never seen this movie before and you are watching it totally uncritically, it's easy to be like, yeah, fuck the bugs, gross, like, like, oh, our heroes are so attractive. Like, of course it's good that that they're mowing them down. But then hopefully by the end you're like, oh, this was a mistake. I shouldn't be rooting for these people at all. Oh, no. Yeah, I found myself getting kind of swept up at certain points. You can't, even, even, even I think now. This, is, this was like the second time I've seen it. Uh, I think we watched it kind of at the beginning of the pandemic, I mm. want to say. And it is because it, it has this like teen drama aspect to it and the people are very pretty. And then you're like, wait a second. They're all real white in... South America. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Hmm. That's an interesting commentary. Hmm. Could it be that they are the descendants of the Nazis that hmm. went to Argentina very famously? Like, Yeah, so there's all these not subtle at all allusions to... <laughs> Uh, Nazism and fascism, like all the white people in Argentina. Mm -hmm. Neil Patrick Harris just straight up wearing an SS uniform. Yeah. And everyone else looking generally Nazi-esque. Nazi-adjacent, at least. The flag of the Federation is... Sort of an eagle meets a plane. Kind of thing. And it's very... The colors are kind of opposite Nazi, but the layout is is very Nazi. It, it evokes Nazism, yeah. which is the Kekistan flag. And I'm so sorry if you don't know the reference, listeners. Uh, the, there was like a, a 4chan bullshit outgrowth of, of people who follow the Lord Keck or whatever. It was Jesus a whole Christ. dumb joke that turned, of course, into white supremacy. <laughs> but they have a flag that, like, draws from the Nazi shit and the Starship Troopers Federation flag. Yeah. And, I mean, you pointed it out. I'd never noticed it before. One of the uniforms just has three lightning bolts on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, it's extra. It's extra uh, Nazi. It's just interesting. uh Part of the cultural reappraisal of this film, I saw some takes that were like, is it actually critical of uh, fascism or is it celebrating it? And I don't really get that, but I, I can see why people would potentially think that, which is just like, it's too glossy and too shiny and too kind of dumb looking like Verhoeven's kind of too good at his job where like I said I kind of was getting swept up from time to time and like if you're looking at it just purely from spectacle and not even thinking about what's happening I could I guess see you kind of getting the wrong message yeah if you wanted to you totally could just be like hmm this isn't satire at all. Right. That's kind of the risk you always run with satire, I think. Yeah. Well, and like any good satire, like a connection I made this time that I I hadn't really before is that they're doing the Leslie Nielsen thing, him playing everything completely straight and never playing it as a joke. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's what's happening here. Everyone is so deeply earnest Mm -hmm. and nothing is played for laughs. Nothing is played like a joke. And there is, like, fascism is nothing if not earnest. Yeah. You can always believe that a fascist or a neo-Nazi is utterly sincere in their beliefs and in everything they do. Yeah. Well, and also, like, for people who kind of question Verhoeven's intent, you kind of just got to look at the guy's other movies. Like, even if you feel like he misfired here... You have to know his intent. Like, you can't watch RoboCop and Total Total Recall Recall. and be like, 
Mm, I don't know. Is this guy Ooh, secretly is a he fascist? Yeah. Like, like, come on, total recall for heaven's sake. But yeah, like when I I saw this movie a bunch as a kid, I just watched it just purely as text, where it was just like a bunch of a bunch of people mm. blowing up bugs and ooh, there's titties. <laughs> That's great. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, remember when movies had boobs Mm -hmm. and butts? And butts. Well, and not to derail your thought, but uh, the (laughs) nudity. Boobs and butts always derail my thoughts. Of course, but the the nudity in this movie is fascinating because it is intentionally unsexy. Like even the kind of sex scene that we witness between Johnny and Diz is like weirdly unsensual, and that actually like kind of fits in with. The fash. I don't know if if anyone listening has has read Ur Fascism, which is Umberto Eco's. 1995 essay about fascism and what it is and sort of the main boxes that fascism, that fascist movements tend to tick, I guess. And one of them is that the ur-fascist transfers his will to power to sexual matters. So it isn't actually about sex or connecting with another person. It's asserting your own will and dominance. And that's why like the ur-fascist hero tends to play with weapons doing so becomes an ersatz phallic exercise. It is interesting. Like, yeah, it's not a very sexy movie in spite of the nudity and the sort of co-ed mingling Mm -hmm. happening. It's also, everyone is technically hot and yet off-putting. Yeah. There's this strange, like, everyone's, even not just Jake Busey, everyone's, like, too toothy and too sort of angular. Yeah. It's like... They're all G.I. Joe action figures Mm -hmm. where they're just drawn to such a ludicrous degree that if you said that they had done some like cosmetic work on them all, I would have believed you. Absolutely. So Denise Richards is probably the most famous person in this movie. She's hot and yet not in a weird way. Like she's kind of upsetting to look at she's just too there's too much face happening Mm. uh and it's the same with johnny rico obviously (laughs) jake Busey. like (laughs) everyone has just got so much face yeah so it kind of fits into that like the horniness and the sexuality of it all is sort of stripped away and refocused on violence yeah it also kind of you know obviously there are a lot of allusions to riefenstahl and propaganda films not just german but like some american propaganda Mm -hmm. uh films from world war ii as well just sort of the old war reels like would you like to know more yeah it's interesting that he kind of understood what the internet would be a little bit yeah yeah it's interactive it's not just a war reel like you can click around so it's this mix of the two but uh this does feel like if lenny riefenstahl was making films in the 90s this would have been one of her films I guess I'm saying if Lenny Riefenstahl had been born, you know, when Spielberg was born. Oh, oh, I see. Yes. And, was, and had not, had not. Had not been a Nazi. Yeah, sure. Propaganda filmmaker uh, and had just kind of gotten into the American filmmaking system and made big budget action movies. This is probably a pretty close approximation because mm. I think there still would have been that like sincerity and that visual flair and like the, you don't want to hand it to her no. but like she had <laughs> and visual, we won't and, and we, we won't, won't. Uh, but there's a reason George Lucas and Paul Verhoeven and so many other filmmakers have kind of at least borrowed from the borrowed you, you know yeah. I don't think they'd call it homage, but definitely like using that iconography. Yeah. Again, you know, Lucas using it for actual stormtroopers. Space space fascists, yeah. Yeah. And Verhoeven using it here for more space fascists. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of space fascists. Well, space is just an easy place to have fascism. (laughs) I also do find it interesting that we're never told why we were in the bugs territory in the first place. Uh, and we don't we don't need that information at all, especially because like it makes sense that a fascist planet, I guess, would not need like, oh, there's this specific resource there that, that we need. Instead, it's just, well, they're attacking us. Don't ask questions about what happened before. I've always read it as like there is some kind of resource, you know, something that 
Cameron would do in Avatar uh, several a decade later, you know, Unobtainium. Um, <laughs> my guess is there was some version of Unobtainium that the fascist planet Earth wanted. And yeah, you don't need to ask questions. We belong there because of who we are. Yeah. It's manifest destiny. Like, yeah. We are going to take this stuff because it's ours. Yeah. Uh, and oh, these pesky bugs don't like us being here. And now they're like trying to defend themselves. We got to go in and kill them all. They're just some dumb bugs. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you learn that they're actually smart. Oh, well, that's not a reason mm-hmm. to stop fighting. That's a reason to fight harder. Yep. That is like one of the core tenets of, of fascism. One of those boxes that these movements tend to tick is that the enemy is simultaneously weak and deserving of contempt, but at the same time, unbelievably strong and everywhere at the same time. And you can't help but be reminded of how often fascist movements use the language of vermin about the the people that, that they're trying to exterminate. Well, not to go off on a political rant Oh boy. Here. But you see that all the time in just modern, you know, like sort of your Fox Newses and ONNs yep. and uh, what's that news? Uh, Newsmax. Newsmax. Yeah. Where people like, you know, BLM protesters or even just something as vague as like, you know, left wing professors mm. or whatever sort of the enemy of the day is. There is that same, like, these are weak, feckless, you know, limp-wristed, just unmasculine, effeminate. Yeah. But at the same time, they're poisoning the minds of your children and they're everywhere and they're going to overthrow the government. And it's like, man, which is it? Are they these strong men who can overthrow an entire government or are they these feckless, weak, you know, losers Mm -hmm. who will melt at the sign of, you know, physical labor? Yeah, Yeah. I joke about it a lot how I wish the Democrats were the enemies that that so many Republicans <laughs> make them out to be of just like Joe Biden is going to destroy the American. Uh, he's he's going to gender your children. Yeah, and he's gonna he's gonna destroy American culture. And it's like, bitch! I wish God I that'd mean, be amazing. I, I would love to see him try. I would love Joe Biden to be the guy they say he is. But yeah, so that's nothing new. That's been going on forever. Oh, so the thought I you derailed. You oh did my end God! Up derailing Very it. That was a far while ago. That was. I had this on VHS uh, as a kid, and I remember my mom was a big fan of it, but how she would describe it was like, oh, this it's just a big, dumb action movie, just big and stupid and silly and like, turn your brain off. It was one of the turn your brain off movies. So that's how I saw it Sure, uh, throughout most of my childhood and teens. It's just like, yeah, turn your brain off. It's just people fighting bugs. It's funny to look at it now and think that people could have that reading. And I guess it is because it has that sheen. Yeah. The sheen and there was less of, like, I don't know, fascism hadn't been a problem in a while. At least not as overt as it is now, yeah. It was still sort of the neoliberal peak. Yeah. So I guess that is part of it, too, is just like, well, a big dumb action movie isn't going to have anything to say. No, of course not. It's about going into space and shooting aliens. And, like, do you remember when your consciousness kind of shifted, when your perception of this movie shifted? Honestly, I think it was later. I think it was when everyone else started reappraising it as well, because I just didn't see it, you know, in that era, kind of between DVDs and streamers. I didn't ever get it on DVD. So after my teen years, I don't think I watched it again until the reappraisal. I wish that I could have had that experience of like realizing, oh, this is, this is like very obvious commentary on like American hegemony and literally like you got all these white people talking like very Americanly in Buenos, Buenos Aires. Aires. Like uh, something has clearly gone wrong. Right. Like, something is horribly wrong. Especially like given that uh, and this comes from the source material apparently that this is a world in which like gender and racial bias no longer exists which also kind of further feeds the like we need we are searching for an enemy to focus everyone's energy on and we found these bugs Mm -hmm. because it is so strange to see this very fascist world that has achieved racial and gender parity 
it also feels like it's maybe in service of feeding the maw mm-hmm. of the military industrial complex yeah. and just feeding people into these endless wars yeah. against this weird unknown enemy. And so, yeah, you kind of have to achieve some level of gender and racial parity if you need the bodies. Yep. And it, it is interesting that it comes to like this gender and racial parity is under the umbrella of like Americans. Everyone we see has an American accent. Yeah, everyone's very American. There are no Brits or Australians even. Like there's no Europeans. Nope. Certainly no one from the Middle East or Asia. Like no. it. So it is kind of interesting that the racial parity seems to only be white, black, and a few Latinos. Yeah. That is pretty much it. Mm-hmm. So is it <laughs> racial Right, or is parity? it simply like the assertion of the American quote-unquote way of life? I culture? think so. Cult- cult quote unquote culture yeah and this militarized culture yeah. where even your schools are just um, a pipeline yeah it's yeah. truly a pipeline good thing none of that ended up happening <laughs> huh no no our schools are just pipelines to prisons oh sorry not mil not the military it can be both i mean i remember recruiters being on my uh, high school and college oh, campus God. fairly regularly. I feel like the military knew well enough to not bother with my college. Well, sure. I went to a state school. That's easy pickings. Just, Just a bunch of hey, dipshits from Massachusetts who right. couldn't get into one of the good schools and who in were Boston. paying out of state tuition yeah. for a New Hampshire school. I mean, and we're like, oh, get the GI Bill. I mean, look, I was paying out of state tuition because no school in my state had a film program. It's a shame. It's pretty cool. Literally not one school in the entire it's goddamn kind of state. Wild. It's a large state, too. Well, there's no there's one in not, it. Yeah, that's the thing. The there's population density is like four people per square mile. Four moose per person. <laughs> That sounds like fun. Moose are great. Unless, Adorable. Unless they don't like you, well, I guess. Well, just don't be an asshole. They can smell out an asshole. Oh, oh, that explains all those videos, yeah. <laughs> actually. Uh-huh. Anyway. Anyway, moose are great. The bugs are, are good. Let's um, talk uh, briefly about the special effects in this movie. so good. The bugs in particular look fantastic and not even like uh, fantastic for the 90s. Like, I'm not entirely sure you have anything that's equally as good now just on that scale. Right? Uh, there are so many of them and they all look really, really, really good. good. I, some of them look very animatronic-ish, even though I don't think they were. I mean, I think some, some of the close-ups. Maybe, yeah. Like, they definitely had some like actual, you know, they built some real bugs yeah. for the close-ups, but like all of them running around, that's all CGI. And it's crazy. It's in 97? In 97. Like the lighting, you know, the way the light reflects off the bugs, the way they mm-hmm. interact with their surroundings, the way, you know, they're constantly stabbing people and flinging them around. That and is so fucking cool and must have been so difficult to execute. I don't know. I'm truly don't know how they did it and made it look so seamless. This is one of those movies where you're like, God, I wish, wish we had the DVD with the features on it. Cause you, of course it would have. Oh, so many features. So yeah. many behind the scenes. I've seen way worse effects these days. I know we've said this before, but it comes down to like, clearly they were given the time yeah. and the budget to do it right. And so you could have equally good effects. You know, there are moments of very well rendered, very good effects in modern films. Like I hate to hand it to Marvel, but like Thanos looks good. That's a well rendered guy. guy. <laughs> but he's one guy. This is an army of bugs yeah. and they all look really They're great. all moving around. They're all yeah. doing different things things the like, rendering time on that must have been insane on the like on, on a those 97 old 90, on yeah. like fucking gateways yeah like you know gateway they were all on gateway 2000s you know jurassic park is famous for its effects but it was like one dinosaur at a time this is like if you had 50 dinosaurs in a shot yeah crazy it's wild. You know, it was only like four years later. Especially like, they must have been working on this for at least a couple years. Sure. So. Yeah. And it's not just the bugs. Like, the spaceships all look really solid. They look fantastic. You know, there's explosions that all look great. You know, some of the explosions in space look a little kind of yeah, fake. But, but, I mean, it's... I'm, You're I'm splitting funny. hairs yeah, at right? that point. You know, like, this is... I feel like this might be one of the best movies of the 90s for special effects and it mm-hmm. doesn't 
I think it did actually win some awards, but it still feels like it doesn't quite get the respect that it deserves in terms of like what they were able to accomplish and how well it has held up. There's really no shot in it where I was like, ooh, ooh. Oh, you can really see the seams on that one. It was only nominated for the Oscar for okay. visual effects. Bullshit. I wonder what... Yeah, who won? Who, who won? It was 97, it was, so... It was the 98 awards. But for 97 movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is some stiff competition, because you've got, like, Men in Black. Oh, fucking Titanic. Titanic. All right. So, you know, Titanic did not deserve to win. Titanic did some amazing stuff, and that just swept the Oscars. Yeah, out of it, anyway. it was like Titanic, The Lost World, and Star troopers it's just those three yeah huh weird to think about yeah that is weird no didn't one like, else did didn't like volcano effects. come out volcano dante's peak dante's peak Men yeah why Black. wasn't that nominated I, I don't know yeah dante's peak should have been nominated god damn that's crazy it's a great year 97 was just an insane year fantastic we will we, we should do titanic i think yeah, yeah, I think it's on it's on the list. Yeah. I would say that as Verhoeven movies go, I still prefer RoboCop and Total Recall. I still haven't seen RoboCop. Unfortunately, it is from the 80s, so it doesn't. Oh, no. We can't do it on the podcast. So we can't watch it at all. Can't watch it at all, and it doesn't exist. I'll never see it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I think they're a little tighter. I, you know, I think it was Siskel of Siskel and Ebert who said like 20 minutes could have been cut out of it. I don't entirely disagree. I, I concur. There are places, like, I, in theory, like the kind of Nazi 210, love quadrangle square. Yeah. That's just a square. Um, <laughs> love square kind of thing that happens. But it does kind of drag occasionally where you're like, yeah. And that's where I think some of the criticisms of, like, you're doing a little too good a job of getting us to root for these people. Yeah. If you had maybe a little less of that, I think you could get your message across a little a little better perhaps yeah he's kind of too good of a filmmaker in the sense of like yeah you kind of want to root for these weirdos and i understand the impact which is a word i rarely use because it's horribly overused sure but in this case i understand the impact of we have been rooting for these people the whole time and they're fucking monsters right but you gotta ease up just a little bit i think movie audiences particularly a movie audience that looks at the poster for starship troopers and is like "Ooh, yeah i want to see that probably not the most discerning probably Mm. not the most capable of reading subtext yeah Uh, even though so much of this is just text and yet at the same time media literacy then and now has has never been people's strong it's not like it you know it's bad now but it's not like it's ever been amazing Mm -mm. and so you know you have charming attractive people running around and shooting faceless bugs you know nobody actually likes bugs no so and they're so big they're very big yeah big and scary Mm -mm. it's great character design great creature design and you know and then you got the little the little the little roachy type little roachy guys and then the brain bugs and those big armored like dung beetle looking those are so that shoot the fire flames oh Ah. my god it's great it's so cool. But yeah, maybe Verhoeven was giving American audiences a little too much credit. Yeah. I wonder what the international reaction to this movie was like. So it didn't do super well here at first. It, it was a bigger hit on home video over mm. time. And then it spawned a bunch of sequels, which, you know, just sort of directed video kind of schlock yeah i don't know i don't actually know how the international box office was but it was sort of at verhoeven still making movies but this was sort of the beginning of the end of him as a big american blockbuster Mm -hmm. filmmaker Mm -hmm. like he didn't really do a whole lot after this which is a shame i feel like we need more verhoeven types we need people who will just get fucking weird. Yeah. Like there's, you know, a scene after this minor victory on the on one of the bug planets where Jake Busey, uh, who ha- had previously been shown to be playing a violin, you know, that's a thing that this character does. There's this crate of entertain toys. of toys like, for and the boys like and girls, and, and and then there's just this electric green like neon. Violin. violin and he starts playing it and it's just like it's like it's the most normal thing in the world like everyone wouldn't be like what the fuck Why yeah i associate like violin players with uh, the military for sure but like 
it's this weird thing that you're like, yeah, why not? Why not get fucking weird with this? Yeah. Like all the people missing limbs and robo arms and there's a weirdness uh, that's just taken as is. Like it's you're just meant to accept it. Like yeah, he plays an electric violin and he's got giant teeth and like uh, <laughs> that's just how things are. And you have really lost that in action films. I think the yeah. one place where you can still find it in mass pop culture and like film is horror, mm. where there is still some room for not just uh, social commentary but weirdness. Yeah. I think like you know you've got Jordan Peele and Ari Aster. Robert Eggers, you do have a few people who are still capable of making films that get wide releases, but it seems like action has been given over entirely to the big franchise tent poles like superheroes, Fast Furious. And like every once in a while, someone will come along and will do a weird thing with like James Gunn with the Suicide Squad, and it's like Starro is very weird, and the sure. girl who controls the rats is very weird. But it doesn't feel as weird because it is a superhero movie, and it is a different. It is that is the world in which weird things happen. I did enjoy. Again, this is a superhero movie because that's they all there are. is. But I did enjoy the third act fight in Ant Man that was, you know, uh, on the child's train train playset. That was weird, like and fun. Well, Ant Man will always bum me out a little bit because all I can think of while watching it is like, oh, it would have been interesting to have seen Edgar Wright's take on mm. this. You know, Edgar Wright, I feel like has kind of faltered in the last few years. Like Baby Driver was fine. I hear uh, Last Night in Soho was not very good, which is a bummer. But it would have been more visually interesting, um, Ant-Man, Yeah, uh, with Edgar Wright. The, the man is the best visual storyteller maybe out there. <laughs> But you're right, like, that was at least something different in, in a, a superhero action movie. It's like movie. the only third act superhero fight yeah. that has been in any way remotely interesting or had any sense of, like, joy. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a f- fucking 25-minute slog. Yeah. Well, and even, I liked James Gunn's Suicide Squad uh, overall. And, like, there's a certain level of weirdness. Starro is kind of weird, but it also feels very surface level. Like, there's not a lot that they're trying to say behind that. And I think one thing I've always liked about Verhoeven is that not just Starship Troopers, but, like, Total Recall and RoboCop, where there's a weirdness with an underlying message. And yeah. if you miss that message entirely, like I did, when I'm I was sure. a kid, like my parents did, apparently, you can still enjoy the movie because it's visually fascinating you Mm -hmm. got guys growing out of people's stomachs you got dicks getting shot off (laughs) you know you've got aliens brain bugs sucking your brains out of your head wild like there's just a visual flair and it's also saying something if you care to listen Mm -hmm. uh i don't think the suicide squad is really saying much at least not given the subject matter i feel like there's plenty that could be said there you know, about uh, There's a lot the carceral like, state or yeah. like crime and punishment and mm-hmm. like the role of of superpowers and what it means mm-hmm. to be a hero and a villain and et cetera, et cetera. I guess there's some of that, but I didn't get a strong sense of that. It was more just like, oh, we're being family. quippy and funny. Yeah, maybe something about family, but all movies are about family now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like all the Fast and Furious movies I was are just about thinking fucking about family. <laughs> so, you know, James Gunn is a talented filmmaker who is visually i think he's probably one of the best working in superhero movies right now his movies look interesting and he comes from trauma like he comes from a a great background of weird 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 shit but i've never really seen him say all that much about anything Mm. and that's where i think we need a a verhoeven type in something other than horror because you've got you know aster and peel uh, and Eggers, who yeah. are kind of in horror, uh, and they're saying something generally, although not even as much as Verhoeven, I'd say. Peel is. I'd say Peel is actually yeah. trying to say something. There's just nothing really happening in action 
filmmaking these days. Yeah, that is that really is quest- interesting. That is really questioning why things are the way they are. Right. I think that's intentional. I think hmm. no one is going to fund a movie that this is something that was really interesting. Is this you know people are noticing that that villains in movies these days are you yeah. Know, there was that article today. Yeah, and and, we but there's talked but about we've this talked before. about this a lot. There are other pieces that have been written recently and as not recently as a few years ago. I think like this is not a new thing. But people are kind of catching on that it's weird that villains in movies these days they have the right idea but are going but are it's the wrong execution they're right. going about it the wrong way it feels odd and it's like yes and it's deliberate right. because the people in charge who are funding things they are not interested in the level of social upheaval that is required to actually change the way things are. Well, it's the Killmonger problem. Yeah. Black Panther is the villain of that movie. Yeah. It's like, not, it's, it's not even really a question. <laughs> His family is the villain of the they, movie. They like, are just 100% the villains. They let the rest of Africa fall to imperialism while they sat on an ocean of resources. Yeah. And then Killmonger shows up and is like, hey, what the fuck? I'm going to overthrow you and share these resources and save yeah everyone i can and the movie at the end even like it does that thing of like oh he's got some good points but you know like you said you're going about it the wrong way the wrong man. way man oh, he's oh, killing people. but also like it isn't just that he kills people but oh he's just in it for the ego he right. wants to be the one to like assert power yeah so you know the ultimate message of black panther and most superhero movies now is like oh no you just have to do some incremental change like yeah we've learned our lessons tony stark learns his lessons does he give up his billions no but he doesn't sell weapons, weapons of mass anymore. destruction yeah. anymore and it's like well that's great that he's not selling munitions like yeah that are killing and maiming people he'll never see good but like it's incremental change like he should give up all of those misbegotten gains that he's pulled from yeah, the military never- industrial complex Complex. He never actually makes the arc reactor work, like no. the source of seemingly limitless clean energy. No, he that builds, powers his suits. What does he do when he gives up building weapons? He builds weapons. Yeah, he builds Iron Man suits. They're weapons. <laughs> Why didn't he make the arc reactor work and supply power to everyone? Clean energy. I mean, the arc reactor in Age of Ultron. He's the one who designs the AI that destroys an entire country yeah you know like he is a bad guy yeah it's nice in verhoven movies that the bad guy is the fucking bad guy and he's usually a rich piece of shit right like it's like cohagen on in total Total recall Recall, on mars who's just you know exploiting all of the martians and maiming everybody and and, mutating and would rather literally just shut their air off yeah and kill them all like he's just a bad guy yeah and he's rich and he's a piece of shit and it's never a question. Yeah. And I guess that's like the one problem with Starship Troopers is and maybe this is sort of a vision of things to come sort of unintentionally where like the bad guys are dressed up to kind of look like good guys. Like right. where we're are the, the baddies. Where are the baddies? Like that's are we literally the baddies? <laughs> It's just that meme stretched into a 2-hour movie. Yeah. Yeah, the problem is you you can't be subtle about it mm-hmm. and like now everyone has recognized like oh well you know throw him a bone and show that like oh the bad guy has has some good ideas he's a complex villain he's just complex you know he has trauma but like (laughs) but he's doing it wrong so ultimately the guy who was already in power he'll be in power at the end but he'll have learned a little lesson the the nicer about it's good for power to run in families that's star wars i hate hate to say marvel like like everyone seems real invested in primogenitor i mean it's definitely not worth looking into um how every successful famous person in hollywood they all did it on their own they they don't come they from weren't them. related to anyone mm-hmm. <laughs> you know their dad wasn't an actor their mom wasn't a producer they're they're they don't come from a family of actors Mm-mm. they they pulled themselves up by the bootstraps yep. and they did it themselves so yeah nothing to unpack there no no <laughs> modern movies not great modern action movies I suppose. I hope I hope we 
we get some good ones. You know? I don't think we're going to. Trying I, to be, I'm trying to be more positive these days. I know. And like, I'm, I am too about certain things. I don't see any hope for sort of action, action franchise filmmaking. I just, there hasn't been anything good on like a big budget, big scale action. Like I haven't seen the Batman. Maybe it's great, but boy, it looks like a slog. Yeah. You know, and I've heard people, some people who seem to like it. I, I suspect there are some good elements, but uh, it's three hours long, man. I don't oh, want to. I just God, don't want so to. Long. <laughs> and you know, I hope my kind of the way I look at it now is like, I hope this just does another Twilight for Robert Pattinson where he just goes off and makes a bunch of other weird, weird shit. Because shit. I love Robert Pattinson. He's a great actor. He's fantastic. He's made some of my favorite movies of the last few years. I wish him all the best. I do not begrudge him for doing the Batman. I don't think there are going to be other good big budget action movies. Yeah. At even... least not for the foreseeable future. No. When's the last, like Fury Road is the last oh, good one. Oh, Yeah. George Miller's like in his mid seventies now. He's got to get on it if he's going to do. Come on, man! Else. Quickly, quickly! You know, like, and there are good, I guess, bigger budget movies. They're rarer and rarer, but yeah. like, you know, I saw The Last Duel recently. One of my favorite movies of the last year. I loved it. It's not really an action movie. Yeah, I was thinking like The Green Knight is not an action movie, That's but not it's an action movie. but it's very weird. Very weird. <laughs> and um, I love it. It's I love great. it so much. But yeah, Last Duel is great. You know, West Side Story. Spielberg. Oh shows my that god, it's so good. <laughs> when Spielberg gives a shit, he can he makes it look effortless. It's uh, crazy. It's crazy because you we watch movies and like some of them are good, some of them are okay, some of them are just bad. You know, it's like I could have like done anything else with this time but then you put west side story on and you're like oh my fucking god remember like really Cinema. great really great directing yeah newsflash steven spielberg's a great director furious <laughs> furious you know although you know i saw ready player one and i did not care for it and like it felt like him just phoning it in just like eh, i don't know right. the, i I'll... mean he was he's he, the guy really liked all the stuff that i've done right so sure yeah i <laughs> I think they probably just threw like $20 million at him. And he was like, yeah, I mean, it's all CGI. I can just kind of sit back and you relax. Can, you can do it in post. <laughs> and you can tell he actually had a passion about doing West Side Story mm-hmm. because Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, I, don't, I, I just... This, we're so far afield now, but I, I do love in West Side Story. Like, it's a director who, who loves musicals. Yeah. Like someone who loves the art form. And that was what was so annoying about the marketing for West Side Story was it was like they were trying to hide the fact that it was a musical. Obviously, everyone knows that it's a musical, but give me a reason to watch this instead of the fucking original film. Right. And they didn't. And I'm annoyed that I didn't see this in a theater, actually. Yeah. Like, I think that would have been a wonderful experience because it's so just Cinematic. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I want to see it on a giant screen. It looks great. Uh, Minus Ansel L. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not amazing. I don't know what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> to, how, how he keeps getting worse. I don't know. But everyone else is fucking amazing. Terrific. Well, you're saying we're off field. I don't know if we are because I feel like the general gist of this is just like you want directors who understand and love love the art form that they're in like action filmmaking is an art form Mm -hmm. and it's hard to do it well and Verhoeven did it very very well and it shows and like Spielberg when he's on there's nobody better and Ridley Scott when he's on there's nobody better and it's because they have a love for it like obviously Mm -hmm. they're technically skilled sure uh, but it's really about like the attention to detail Mm -hmm. like the the passion for it having a vision having a vision like you can tell that you can tell when there isn't a vision and that's kind of the thing i see now is like there's no vision other than we make it to keep making it because it makes us a lot of money Mm -hmm. each one of these things grosses a billion dollars and it funds the next ones and we've got a whole machine Mm -hmm. just pumping these out What's the vision, really? Right. You know, and like there was a point early on in sort of the Marvel run where it felt like they were going to maybe start doing like plays on different uh, genres. Mm-hmm. 
I remember people saying like, oh, Winter Soldier is like a 70s conspiracy, like paranoia mm. film, like Cold War paranoia film. And it's like, eh, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> it's, it's one of the better Marvel movies, but come on, relax. Yeah. Again, you know, I started to watch Black Widow on a plane. I, I made it like 20 minutes. Mm. And... There's no vision there. There's right. sort of this pastiche that they're doing of sort of cold it's war. assembly line, yeah. it feels like, oddly. It's like, okay, this person does this, puts this piece on, and, this, and then this piece, okay, and then we do this piece later, and then it's just not quite as holistic. Well, you know, obviously, like, it always takes a million people to make a movie, right. but there should be a cohesiveness to it. Yeah, I mean, I don't really buy into auteur theory so much, but there is a consistency of vision that comes with a team that is all on the same page. Yeah, you should all be rowing in the same direction. And the Marvel movies are all rowing in the same direction, but... (laughs) Uh, It's just on the flattest, most boring stream imaginable, where like you slap the same LUT on everything. So even if you want to do like a 70s paranoia film, you can't have that film grain. You can't shoot on film. You can't have it look truly like that because it needs to be consistent with the universe. And so it's just all flat. Like it's just all looks Mm -hmm. the same. And of course people aren't passionate about it. How could you be really Mm -hmm. when you are not even allowed to direct the action scenes? Like that's, that's that's wild. That's got a second unit that's dedicated to that alone. And it's all just green screen and lasers firing out of people's eyes. That is like... Okay, we can bring this back to Starship Troopers because the violence is so practically done and mm-hmm. so visceral and so meaningless off it. Like, there's just people getting chewed up in the most yeah. horrifying ways that is like, yeah, this is the shit. Like, yeah. they're all in the shit and it's all such a waste because this is the most pointless thing. Like, flying however many light years to go kill some people you don't see as people that you don't know and getting both legs ripped off and then flung in the air. But then you thank uh, the authorities for it. Like the Mm -hmm. people who sent you there, you know, you are grateful for your service and for your sacrifice. They make you, that makes you a citizen. You know, that guy in the beginning who uh, was missing an arm and two legs was just like, yeah, the infantry made me the man I am. Yep. And it's such a great little, like, that's the, that should be your clue. Right. That this movie is not what it looks like. Right. These are people who are being, you know, killed for a meaningless cause for nothing, you know, going against an enemy they don't understand and that we're the aggressors of, but it's still treated as like, oh, it's my honor and duty to die for Mm -hmm. this cause. It's like, what is the cause? Well, the country. It's just us. My own personal heroism. Yeah, my heroism and, you know, my sacrifice for this greater quote unquote good. Yeah. That, again, going all the way back, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, going to Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, support our troops. Like, oh boy. Our boys know. are protecting yeah. our freedom. And it's like, hey, I don't think our freedom was under attack from a, a, Iraq. some random neighborhoods in Baghdad yeah. or Fallujah. So... Yeah, Starship Troopers. It's great. It's great. Verhoeven's great. He did just come out with a movie that is apparently pretty pretty wild that we mm. should see. Not an action movie. He doesn't really do those anymore. I would but, be uh, too tired to do oh, action yeah. movies. Yeah, he's old. I'm currently too tired <laughs> to do action movies. I'm so tired all the time. 34 years old and uh, just... Maybe there's a gas leak in here. I don't know. The construction here is not great, it's so... Not, yeah, <laughs> it seems possible. Well, we've gone on for a while. We have gone on for a while, so I guess we can shut the fuck up now. Yeah. Shutting the fuck up is free. This will be a fun one to edit. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.